We are in a series leading up to the time of Easter when we celebrate the resurrection. We're in a series of messages about the cross, specifically characters at the cross. The first of that series, I talked with you about Judas, the hypocrite, the one who claimed to be a follower of Christ but was not even saved. Last week, I brought you a message about Peter, the backslider. And if there is anything practical about the life of Peter, practical and applicable to us, it is that he was a backslider and that no matter how close you are to Jesus, there may be times when you drift away and even deny your faith. But our focus this morning is from Simon the bystander. Simon the bystander. And that is what the video from Skit Guys that you just saw is about. In Luke chapter 23, just two verses, verses 26 and 27. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of the women who were mourning and lamenting for him. That phrase, one Simon of Cyrene, sometimes translated a certain Simon of Cyrene. One certain Simon is our focus for the message this morning. As someone involved in the story of the cross, someone admittedly that we know very little about, but I hope at the end of the message this morning you'll have a little more insight about him. First of all, Simon the bystander is a Cyrenian man named Simon. Now, notice that it says, as they were going out, they found a Cyrenian man named Simon. That's from Matthew chapter 27, verse 32. The name Simon is a Jewish name. And so you understand, uh, in the video he said, if I get the blood on me, if I get his blood on me, I cannot observe the Passover. Simon was a Jew. Um, the name tells us that. He was Jewish in his nationality. And he was a Cyrenian. By the way, I had to look long, uh, Roger, to know for sure how to spell that because Cyrene and Cyrenian, uh, they, they have that odd E-I combination. So what is it you have to do? Uh, Grant, I admit, that's why I use the CSB because that's the only one that told me exactly how to spell Cyrenian. And I have enough typos in my slides as it is without misspelling that. Okay, but Cyrene, you understand, was a major city in Libya. That is a country in North Africa, just west of Egypt. The history records, Joe, that there were a large number of Jews who lived in the city of Cyrene and that it was not unusual for them to make the pilgrimage from North Africa to Jerusalem for the holidays, for the celebration, for the feast days, and especially for the Passover. Now you recognize that the timing that we're talking about 
is just before the Passover feast, uh, just before the celebration of the Passover. And so there would have been a large number of Jews from Cyrene, and Simon just happened to be one of them. Now that's, that's what you might think when you read one certain or a certain Simon that they found. The Scripture says they found a, Siren, a Cyrenian man named Simon. There is a randomness that's indicated by that sentence. And yet, I want you to understand, Simon was important to God. It was not a random choice. God put him there. They think they found him, but it was the hand of God. It was a certain man that God picked out. How do I know that? Tim, because Simon of Cyrene is recorded. His name is recorded in three of the four Gospels. It's easy to think, because there's only two verses about him in the Gospel of Luke, and about the same in the other synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You might think this guy's not very important, but he's important to God because he is listed for all eternity in the Word of God. Delaney, it would have been easy for the Bible to say, for the Bible writers, for the Holy Spirit to have them write, they found this guy and he carried the cross. But they specifically name Simon, they name where he was from. By the way, after spending a dozen years in Africa, Don, I like the fact that he was an African. He was a Jew, but he was an African. Whether he was black or white makes no difference. We don't know and it does not matter. We are colorblind, amen? Does not matter. But I love the fact, not only was he a Jew, but he was an African Jew. And God specifically chose him. He was important to God. God found him first. God put him there. And the soldiers picked him and they put the cross of Jesus on his back. I want you to understand, if you're looking at your notes and wondering what to write down, people are not random with God. People are not random with God. God knows your name. He knows all there is about you. He knows all there is to know about you. Now, Billy, He knows more about you than Judy knows about you. He knows more about you, Kim, than you know about you. He knows your name. If, if you're here this morning and you feel a stranger from God, you feel like maybe God does not know you, thank you, Walter, for advancing the slide. God knows you, He cares about you, and He wants you to know Him. People are not random with God. He knows you. He has chosen you for His particular purpose. My question for you, have you found God's purpose for your life? Do you know Him? He knows you. Do you know Him? Do you know Him as Savior? I believe what was said in the video is true. 
that at the end of the day that Simon of Cyrene had come to know Jesus. And he recognized that God had used him for a purpose on that day. He knows you and he has a purpose for you. I want you to also notice about Simon the bystander. It says that he was a passerby coming in from the countryside. Now the fact that he was a passerby is another indication. It's a way of saying, Rita, he just happened to be there. That's really not what it means. He was passing by. He did not expect to be there. That means, Susan, he didn't go there saying, Jesus is going to be going by with his cross, and I, I'm going to go carry his cross for him. It was not an appointment that he made. It was not what he purposed. Jason, it was not what he expected. But God put him in the right place at the right time. He was coming in from the countryside just then. That indicates place. You see, coming in from, coming as a pilgrim from North Africa for the Passover, he would have needed a place to stay. If you don't think that Passover time is a busy time, just try to make a reservation in Israel right now for September the 17th or 18th. I know, Charles, I just tried. And there are no places to be had. Jerusalem is packed out at the time of the Passover. That was true then and it is true now. You won't find a room. You make a reservation a year in advance. So it, he came to Jerusalem for the Passover, but there was no place to stay. That means, Peter, he was probably staying in one of the outlying villages. But he's coming to town. Now, no, it's not the Passover yet. What is he doing in town? I don't know. Carter, maybe he came to see the temple. Maybe he's got, Sandy, maybe he's got relatives in town. And so he came to see them. But I want you to understand, just as people are not random with God, neither is place or time. God is in charge of place and time. Time and placement are in God's hands. He put Simon, he, Roger, he had stepped onto the street corner. Wherever it was, they found him on that street, the Via Della Rosa. Some of us have walked that alleyway. God put him in the right place at the right time to fulfill God's purpose in his life. Time and place are in God's hands. It is no accident that you are in the seat you're in in this place this morning. God has you here for a reason. I can't claim to know what that reason is. Maybe you're looking for a church and God has you here in this place at this time this morning to show you what He intends for you, to reveal to you His will. Maybe you're looking for a Savior, and God has you here this morning 
to show you that Jesus is the way, the only way to heaven. He alone can give you the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life. And so He's brought you here at this time, the right place at the right time to hear His Word and to believe. Charlotte, I'm convinced that Simon was a good Jew and lost as far as salvation until he carried the cross of Jesus. And grant the right time and the right place. God spoke to his heart and changed, Alice, changed his life forever. Listen to me, God wants to do that for you. He wants to reveal to you his purpose. He wants to work in your life. He wants to show you His purpose in your life. And He wants to use you to His glory to fulfill His plan. Then I want you to notice, it says the soldiers forced Him to carry Jesus' cross. That is Mark chapter 15, verse 21 uses that word. They forced Him. They laid upon Him. They forced Him. He did not volunteer. Now, we are a volunteer organization. That's the way the church works. And I praise God for our volunteers. I talk just about every week about our Thursday morning coffee bunch. And I praise God for the guys who came back on Thursday who have not been here in a while. Some of the rest of you, it's time to come back. Right, Carol? It's time to come back and pitch in and help out on Thursday morning. It's a great fellowship, and it's a good time to serve. But we are not the military. Nobody orders you around but the Holy Spirit. We're a voluntary organization. I can assure you that whatever he was coming for, Gail, I don't know why he was in town sightseeing. I would have wanted to see the temple. What if it was the first time he'd ever come to the Passover? Man, he would, would have wanted to see Herod's temple. That was a beautiful temple, a beautiful edifice for the worship of Jehovah. He would have wanted to see that. Maybe it was visiting family. Maybe he had his wife with him, and if he did, that meant he was shopping. Amen? But for whatever reason he was there, his life was interrupted in a way that he did not expect. He was forced to carry the cross. It was inconvenient. It was taking him out of the way. They put the cross on him. And Reese, he had to carry that cross all the way from the Via Della Rosa to the outside the city. He was crucified outside the gates, outside the city wall. And so that meant he came in to the city from outside. Now he's got to go back out of the city. And I'm sure when they caught him, when they found him, it was an interruption that he did not count on. You know... Um, I learned how to be invisible in the army. Paul got that. If nobody else did, Paul got that. 
the drill sergeants walking along and looking for somebody to call on, somebody to volunteer. That's how it works in the army. It's not like around here. You get volunteered in the army. And so, you know, basic training in Fort Lost in the Woods, I'm sorry, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, Missouri. I'm in basic training. The drill sergeant's walking around looking for somebody. And Jacob, I've got my cloak of invisibility on. You learn to be invisible. You never make eye contact. You don't move. You don't even breathe very loud. But you know, Joe, sometimes interruptions turn out to be marvelous opportunities. I remember it got, Paul, it got hard for me to be invisible because I had a high PT score in my company in basic training, and that means they learned my name. Generally speaking, that's not a good thing. The second time, Mike, that I won the obstacle course competition for my company and the battalion, they knew my name. So there's a day they came around looking for a volunteer or several, and I noticed that it was unusual the names they called out, and mine was the first name they called. Oh, my. So they loaded us up, Don, they took us to the rifle range, and I spent the evening loading magazines for M16s on the, on the rifle range. When they got done, they loaded us up and they took us where the company had pitched their tents on a 20-mile bivouac march. I got out of the bivouac march carrying a 65-pound pack. Sometimes interruptions turn out to be huge blessings. That's the way it was with Simon. Listen, that interruption turned out to be his legacy, his epitaph. If you could find his tomb and uncover the tombstone, Tim, it would say, Simon of Cyrene, who carried the cross of Jesus. We think they are interruptions, but God knows how to disguise marvelous opportunities which will be to His glory as interruptions in our lives. Don't miss the opportunity that God has, described, has disguised as an interruption in your life. Be careful that you don't miss an appointment from God that fulfills God's purpose in your life. Then, number four, notice, they made him carry it behind Jesus. I don't know that I'd really thought about that until I started working on this message. That means they, they pulled him out of the crowd 
I've already told you, it was not at random. It was an appointment from God. They, they put the cross on Him. And, and I, I began to, when I read that, I began to picture the scene. He carried the cross behind Jesus. Clint, if he had gone in front of Jesus, he would never have looked at Him. He would have seen the crowd. He would have seen the stone pavement. He would have heard the noise behind Him, but He would never have seen Jesus. Nancy, He followed Jesus the whole way. He saw Him. Now, John makes it clear. Simon of Cyrene is not mentioned in the Gospel of John. Because John wanted to make it clear, if you just read the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you might get the impression that Simon alone carried the cross of Jesus, and Jesus never carried His own cross. Dennis, John wanted us to know that Jesus carried His cross. But Galilee couldn't carry it the whole way. He carried it, realized He had been scorched, He had been whipped with a cat of nine tails whipped almost Noah to death. And then they put the heavy cross on him, and he carries that, James, as far as he can, and when he collapses, it's obvious, Lauren, he can go no further. And they pull this guy out of the crowd. They put the cross on him, and he follows Jesus. He sees the droplets of blood from the whipping and the crown of thorns. He walks a trail of blood behind the Savior. He sees His suffering. The Bible says that there was a crowd of women, a crowd of people, and especially women, coming along behind Him, mourning and lamenting. And I wonder what He must have thought about what they were saying and what he understood. I think, Zach, that he heard the Gospel from those women. This is the Messiah. This is the Lamb of God. This is the Righteous One. This is the Innocent One. He heard what they were saying, and he saw the suffering Savior. There's a moment. Walter, this is it. There was a moment that the Bible says in the Gospel of Luke that he turned around to speak to those who were lamenting. And Charlotte, it occurred to me as I'm imagining the scene, I'd never thought about it before, Samantha. He turned around to look at the women. Guess who he's facing? Guess who now sees Jesus eye to eye and face to face? It is Simon the Cyrenian who is carrying his cross. That moment, Liz, is a moment that changed the life of Simon forever. This is that moment, if you will allow it, when God has come to meet with you face to face, eye to eye, to change your life forever. Do you see Him? Do you see His suffering? Do you hear His message for you? 
Have you recognized His purpose? And will you surrender to His will? You may think that I'm making the entire sermon about Simon. But I guarantee you, if you, if you ask Simon, he will tell you very clearly, it's not about him. It's all about Jesus. And Don, for the rest of his days, Simon would tell you that the high point of his life was when he carried the cross of Jesus. You may not be able to carry the cross of Christ, but God has a work for you to do. He has a place for you to serve. He has a ministry in this church, in this city, and in this country that you can do to serve Jesus. If you will hear it, if you will do it, that interruption, that appointment from God will become the high point of your life. Pam, what do we know about Simon of Cyrene? One thing. He carried the cross of Jesus. Listen, that's enough. That's what God wanted from him. That's enough. Find your purpose. Hear the voice of God and obey it. Fulfill your destiny. Don't miss that appointment from God. Don't miss that calling, that opportunity. And then finally, by the way, I hadn't said a word. I'm, I'm sorry that you missed the great worship that we had planned for you, the, the songs. And you're going to get out earlier this morning than you ever have because we missed about three songs that we were supposed to sing till the computer crashed. I'm just telling you, this is the final point of the sermon, and I'm not going to fill the time needlessly. But don't you get used to this, okay? He was the father of Alexander and Rufus. I wonder sometimes why things are in the Bible. And I will tell you that there is nothing, Terry, in the Bible by accident. The Spirit of God moved, Ginger, that those names should be put in the book. I don't think it's speculation to say they're there because people knew them. Why mention specifically the sons of Simon? People, John, who might not have known the story of Simon, but knew Alexander and Rufus, when they read this, when the manuscript was complete, when the gospel was shared among the people, I mean, you realize this is not a CNN on-the-spot report, okay? This is not being televised. This is written sometime later, and people are reading this gospel. And there were people who knew Alexander and Rufus. Rufus and Alexander 
were known to the churches of the Lord in the day this gospel was written. That means, that means to me that Simon became a believer. And Rodney, when Simon became a believer, as a result, his sons became believers. And they were known to the churches. You see, Simon learned that that interruption was an opportunity for him to serve God. And I, I strongly believe, I, just recognizing, he turns around, Jesus turns around, and Simon is right there behind him. That moment was life-changing. Not just for Simon, but for Simon's children and Simon's grandchildren. And I need you to understand, if you choose to serve God, that choice will build your legacy. It will impact your children and your children's children. Unfortunately, I have to also say, if you choose not to serve God, if you turn away from Him and His calling, the opportunity He's giving you, it has the same impact but in the opposite direction. You harm your children and your children's children by rejecting the call of God and the service that He has for you. Your choice in this service, on this day, your choice of doing what God wants you to do or disobeying His call will impact today your children and tomorrow and all of their tomorrows. Your decisions about following Jesus will impact the future, will impact your legacy. For what will you be known? What will be your legacy? What will your children and your grandchildren say about you Will it include the service of God? My grandfather preached the gospel until he was 92 years old. Delane, I found on the internet, I didn't know it was there. I found an audio of my grandfather preaching on the station in Tupelo, Mississippi when he was 92 years old. By the way, that's why I've never been Brother Rayburn. Because my grandfather was Brother Rayburn. And that's his legacy. That's why I've always just been Brother Lynn. What will your legacy be?